to another edition of Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles video cast. This is a podcast that we do every two weeks on Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time right here on our YouTube channel, where we talk most of the time about the solo careers of the Beatles, by far and away the most successful solo careers from any previous group. I'm Ken Michaels. I'm one of the four regular co-hosts of this show, and hopefully you know me for some of my other programs, including Every Little Thing, which is a syndicated radio program that I've been doing on the Beatles since 1982, currently on over 50 radio stations. I also do another talk show Beatles podcast called Things We Said Today. That's also bi-weekly. And I have my own YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio, which is exclusively all on the Beatles. Interviews of people like musicians, authors, or fellow podcasters like the ones I have on this show. And I'm being joined by my three regulars. Let's start, of, co of course, with the queen of all Beatles social media, or we, we should just say the queen of everything, really. Sums it all up. And you know her for a few books that she's written, including songs you were singing, guided tours through the Beatles' lesser-known tracks, also a book on Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson FAQ, all that's left to know about the king of pop. And uh, more recently, her collaboration with Ken Womack here, Fast and the Beatles. She's written for Beatle Fan. She's constantly writing articles, all kinds of music, Beatles, soul music. She does everything, really, including <laughs> classes online on Stevie Wonder, the Go-Go's. She runs the gamut here. <laughs> and uh, that's our own kiddo tool. Hi, Kit. Hello, Ken. That's a quite an introduction and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> hi tom hi joe and uh hello everybody out there okay good to see you again always love your backdrops Wish <laughs> I could just dive right in i know <laughs> just, just swim right with me here yeah. <laughs> hey marcus <laughs> <laughs> also we have tom Hunyadi, who you know is one half of the team with Annie Nichols that makes up Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast. It's a podcast that oh, only on Paul McCartney. Every show is on Paul McCartney, although sometimes he bends the rules a bit. But um, fine podcast. You can't keep up with them. There's always new ones every single week. And they're always illuminating conversations with Andy. Mm -hmm. Welcome, Tom. Thank you, Ken. Hello, kids. Joe. Yeah, I, hey, I know. Bob. It's it's. 
I know two against one right now, but th- that don't mean anything. <laughs> the, shirt, the shirts don't mean anything. Okay. No. Don't mean <laughs> a thing if they ain't got no swing. That's right. I'm the neutral party. Yeah. It's uh, Switzerland today. Yes. Well, Kit, Kit forgot her, her Pete Best shirt. That's right. Damn. Yeah. Cliff. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Also, we have, of course, Joe Mayo, known also as Mean Mr. Mayo, who has his own YouTube channel. He pretty much does everything, all pop culture stuff, a lot. Yes, you do. <laughs> no, I do. I'm just I'm <laughs> reacting. I'm like, hmm, hmm. There's a, a lot that he does on the Beatles. He does his Fab Gab and he does ranking yeah. Beatles albums and solo Beatle albums. He talks about other artists. He talks about films. He talks about everything. Everything is everything. <laughs> and uh, welcome, of course, to Talk More Talk once again, Joe Mayo. Thank you very much, Ken Michaels. Hello, uh, everybody. And hello to my other co-hosts here, uh, Tom and Kit. Joe does so much on YouTube. You're just telling him to stop. <laughs> Look at him. You do yeah, enough. Stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> on today's show, we've got a very interesting topic, somewhat controversial. It has to do with John and Paul and their changing perceptions in the public eye since the Beatle breakup. This is not a John versus Paul show and who we favor. It just has to do with over the years since the Beatle breakup, how the public, how their opinions may have changed about the two of them. And we will get to that in just a few moments. But as usual, we've got uh, quite a bit of Beatle news here. The first of which is exciting news that I'm sure most of you have heard about. It was reported last Wednesday in Deadline that Peter Jackson is planning another film project with Paul and Ringo. Peter is quoted as saying, I'm talking to the Beatles about another project, something very, very different from Get Back. We're seeing what the possibilities are, but it's another project with them. It's not really a documentary. And that's all I can really say. Mm. Well, by issuing that statement, (laughs) Peter has done his job. He's creating a buzz, right? It's us all talking and everybody wondering what could it be. So I wonder when we will find out what this is, but anyone have any thoughts on this? Joe? Could be, could be anything um, based on that, right? You know, we, we were talking a little bit before we went on live uh, and that particular quote says project, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not film necessarily, but we've heard film. I've heard film in some reports. Yeah, I've heard that too. So if it's a project, it could be this rumored Hamburg audio, uh, which is very different from Get Back. Him trying to enhance the sound of the Hamburg tapes mm-hmm. because that's that's certainly different than uh, uh, what he did with Get Back, as far as no, not visual. But uh, if it's film, that's a whole other right. whole other kettle of fish. Yeah. I got to tell you, you know, I, I've been wanting, especially the Hamburg tapes. Um, I brought that up to Peter Jackson at the Fest for Beatles fans with yeah. Darren DeVivo and Tom Frangione. We were interviewing him. And um, because of the new technology that they developed for Get Back with isolating everything, including right. all the studio chatter, 
you know, and um, he welcomed that opportunity. And so it's something that he would like to do. But then again, you got to get Apple's approval for that. Right. So, um, I have I mean, a feeling it really is more right. film than anything audio. But I mean, if there's footage of, you know, Cavern, if there's footage of BBC, um, you know, Hamburg even. I mean, let's think of Let's remember about the uh, what um, the. Uh, what was it called? The uh, the the Ron Howard uh, film. Oh, I mean, that was eight days, eight days a week. I mean, let's remember that. I mean, originally, what was that supposed to be? You know, people sending in uh, footage of the Beatles live. Maybe it's got something to do with with live footage and then with his technology of cleaning up the the video and then also separating the audio and kind of maybe merging uh, the two together. That would be really fascinating. That uh, is an excellent idea, there, Tom. I hadn't thought yeah. of that. Yep. Another theory I've heard is, you know, could it be something having to do with the Beatles' first U.S. visit right, film? Right. Because there's apparently a lot of footage that mm. was never used in that. Mm. Could it be something to do with that, you know, cleaning up that footage and maybe releasing, you know, an extended cut of that? Um, I mean, it's, it's the possibilities Right. Are endless. That yeah. would be really interesting, and especially if you wanted to tie in and get it ready for the 60th anniversary. Mm. Yeah. Coming up. Yeah. That's there you true. go. So there you go. Yep. And so. there's all the concerts that have never come out right. or mm -hmm. approved by Apple. You know, whether you want to clean that up. Yeah. You, know, you know, Shea Stadium, the Shea Japan Stadium, maybe. Shea Stadium. Yes. Big night out. TV special, things like that. You can make a, um, you know, a compilation of mm -hmm. concert appearances and performances. You know, it's, there's so many things you can do and uh, hopefully we'll find out soon. Yeah. And the other thing too, I find odd is, is he just mentions Paul and Ringo. He doesn't mention, he doesn't, yeah. I haven't seen anything, a word about mentioning the estate of, of John and George. Yeah. So I kind of find that very, very odd and curious at the same time. Yep, well, I agree. he knows nothing's going to go out without all four parties. Well, of course, right. right. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's such a such a small clue, you know. It's it's really hard. There's not much information to go right. on. Right. Well, maybe just initially he'll be approached. Right. Or they approached him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. All right. So. Speaking of get back, a big congratulations goes out to the team. Mm. that gave us Get Back, as it's been nominated for five Emmy Awards, including Outstanding Documentary or Nonfiction Series, Peter Jackson for Outstanding Directing for a Documentary Nonfiction Program, Outstanding Picture Editing for a Nonfiction Program, Outstanding Sound Mixing for a Nonfiction or re Reality Program, <laughs> and Outstanding Sound Editing for a nonfiction or reality program. Hmm. The awards are planned to be held on September the 12th at the Microsoft Theater in downtown Los Angeles. You think that's it for Emmys and nominations? You think wrong. McCartney 321. Oh yeah. Documentary with Rick Rubin received three Emmy nominations for sound editing, sound mixing, and cinematography. So congratulations for both those exciting projects and we'll see how they fare uh in a few months from now still uh, hoping for a physical release of the mccartney 321 yeah. series yeah that would be nice I not everybody that. has the uh, the hulu 
Um, you know, maybe people canceled their subscription after they saw it, you know, but uh, they have they have released stuff before on physical media, Hulu. Um, you know, the Bridesmaid's Tales, I think, were released on physical media. So I wonder if maybe there's even more of it. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. yeah bonus hours. Yep. Great. <laughs> you got bonus footage and you're going to sell the physical. Yeah. DVD or Blu-ray for that. Yeah. Also, Ringo Starr and the late Taylor Hawkins will be featured in a new documentary called Let There Be Drums, which is due to be released in cinemas. Oh, wow. On October the 28th. It's being directed by Justin Kreutzman, uh, the son of Grateful Dead's drummer, Bill Kreutzman. According to Deadline, the film examines the essential role drumming, the essential role drumming plays in great bands and how music passes from generation to generation. It is set to feature one of Hawkins' final interviews. Along with Ringo, it will also feature Stuart Copeland of The Police, Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction, Chad Smith of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Matt Sorum, ex-drummer for Guns N' Roses. Kreutzmann took on the project, quote, to talk to the world's most influential drummers in hopes of better understanding his father and the instrument that defined his life. Okay, again, that's coming out October 28th. Along with the new documentary for the Beatles Get Back, you might recall, there was another documentary <laughs> that Paul McCartney released in 1991 of the same title, which happened to be directed by Richard Lester. And now we hear it will be re-released on DVD and Blu-ray. It includes performances of the songs that Paul and his band at the time performed on their 1989-90 tour, with lots of Beatles songs, Wings classics, and songs from the then new album, Flowers in the Dirt. The re-release of Paul's Get Back comes out in August. The Daily Mail spotted Paul on holiday in the Hamptons, where he was swimming with his daughter, Beatrice, who is now, believe it or not, 18 years oh. old. His <laughs> second marriage with uh, Heather Mills. Rolling Stone reports that the British band Muse have just recorded a new song that was influenced by the Paul McCartney and Wings classic, Live and Let Die. It's flipping the idea around and calling it Kill or Be Killed. <laughs> I had a good laugh when I saw that. <laughs> sent this to me. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, you got it. Yeah. Matt Bellamy from the band is quoted as saying, lyrically, it takes influence from my favorite Paul McCartney song, Live and Let Die. It's a dark take on how life's adversity can sometimes bring out the worst human instincts to survival at any cost. This is the latest single from the band's album, Will of the People. Speaking of people, <laughs> People Magazine just came out with a collector's issue in celebration of the 55th anniversary of the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper. You should be able to find it at all major supermarkets. This is in addition to the recent collector's issues of Time and Life for Paul McCartney's 80th birthday. Rolling Stone magazine just came out with their latest list of their top 500 songs of all time. I did not read them all, and they made a whole video of it. And they summed really? it up in wow. minutes. But I watched the top 20, and there are several Beatles entries. Number 20 is Let It Be. Uh, number 16, I Want to Hold Your Hand. Number 13, Yesterday. Number 8, Hey Jude. And number 3, the highest of all Beatles are solo, was Imagine. 
Number oh. seven song, by the way, rated higher than any Beatles song. Number two was Satisfaction by the Stones. And number one, can you guess? Sound of I Silence? No. <laughs> Sound of Silence? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Good vibrations. What's going on? Wasn't what's going on number one a year ago, I think? Yeah. God, God only knows. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me, I'm trying to think, if I knew any new songs, I'd make I'd, I'd name number it. Number one so. was Like a Rolling Stone. Okay. Oh, I did oh. say that. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Recently, oh, Julian Lennon produced a documentary on the environment called Kiss the Ground. Narrated by Woody Harrelson, which ran on Netflix, the DVD and Blu-ray are being offered for free on the documentary's website. However, it will cost you $12 for postage, which is still fair anyway. Just go to kissthegroundmovie.com for more information. And speaking of Julian, we've been hearing about his new album. Four tracks have come out that you can listen to online. His new album, Jude, comes out September the 9th. All right, a uh, few more things. In a new interview that I just did with Beatles author and our colleague, Ken Womack, he uh, revealed a few months ago uh, that there will be two books coming out that he's worked on concerning Beatles roadie and loyal friend, Mal Evans. He told me the first book is a full-length biography, heavily illustrated. Ken said he thinks it's the longest single book he's written with over 2,000 wow. words. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully, yep. he says, it will be out on Father's Day. The second one, which will include his diaries, Mal's diaries, manuscripts, and the book he was working on uh, when he died, uh, which mm. Ken says was completed. And there's also material from his personal archives um, that will all come out approximately a year later. Okay. And you can watch this new interview that I did with Ken on my YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio. Uh, due out in the fall is a new book called Lennon and McCartney Painting with Sound by Thomas McFarlane. Uh, the book examines the creative dialogue between the two songwriters, both with the Beatles and on their own, and also their eclectic approach, which the writer says can be traced back to the Liverpool College of Art, where he considers, uh, which he considers as the backdrop for the pair's earliest collaborations with painter and musician Stu Sutcliffe. All right, another new book is coming out called Good Day Sunshine State. <laughs> <laughs> How the Beatles Rocked Florida by Bob Keeling. It's due out on paperback on March 7th next year. I'm also told that Jay Bergen, John Lennon's defense lawyer and the author of Lennon, the Mobster and the Lawyer, uh, all about the Morris Levy case. He has been added as a guest to the Chicago Fest for Beatles fans. Oh, very cool. Yes. Yeah, at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare, August the 12th through the 14th. You can find out all the necessary information about the Fest at their website, thefest.com. And Jay will also be doing a book signing in New York City at Rough Trade Books. That's on August the 23rd at 6 p.m. There's a possibility Bob Gruen will be there with him. Oh. Just a few more things here. August the 5th, we'll see a release from Gem Records. And they're the fine folks that brought us the Weaklings. Uh, they did a tribute to John Lennon with many of their artists covering John. Also Excellent. a recent one for Brian Wilson. They will have a new one where they're saluting Pete Townsend with the same gang, the Weaklings, Jonathan Pushkar, the Anderson Council, uh, the Gripweeds, 
this will be on CD, vinyl, and digital. That's coming out August the 5th. A few concerts here to announce August the 4th. Gary Burr will be in concert. Gary, you know from being a member of Ringo's Roundheads. And he also has played on Ringo's album since the Mark Hudson years and co-written songs with Ringo. He's doing a concert at the Hubbard in Meriden. That's outside in the park for free, August the 4th. Um, and that will be at 6.30, Meriden, Connecticut, that is. Billy J. Kramer, August 6th at Daryl's house. Also August 6th, the Fab Four Music Festival in Simsbury, Connecticut with 10 local bands from the tri-state area, all performing there. And um, that is all the news I have for you. All right. Well, speaking of live shows, Ken, you know, uh, you and uh, my co-host, Andy, uh, you've got to see somebody that's on my bucket list of entertainers that I'm going to get to, my wife and I, we're going to get to see in uh, November which I'm really looking forward to. And that's Elton John. And you just saw him a couple nights ago. And I would love uh, for you to give us a couple minutes on your take with your take on the show. Well, I can safely say this one will, will go down in the record books for me. <laughs> it will be in my top five of greatest concerts of all. Wow. wow. And if anything, I've only seen Elton John once before in concert. And it's surprising considering that I love so much from his catalog, especially in the early years. But um, what surprised me the most, since we're always talking about voice here with Paul McCartney, was just how good Elton John sang. Wow. There were moments there when it sounded like the old Elton John and hitting the high notes. And he mm -hmm. came on the show with Benny and the Jets. And his voice was so perfect that it was just like listening to the record and holding <laughs> wow. the notes. Yeah. And then there were times when he knew what to do when he couldn't hit those notes. He's a pro. And the band was amazing. It's great to know that Davy Johnstone is still with him and Nigel Olson and Ray Cooper, who's a wild man. But, you know, I found it really interesting the way that um, in a similar way, I mean, you know, I'm so grateful that Paul McCartney tours does anything for the fans now. Although my only gripe is usually the, the you know, the, the set, set list. list. There's so many Beatles songs. There's so much from the 60s. Well, most of this concert was from the 70s. Right. It's right. very similar in that way. Although right. there were a few 80s hits. In there. You got I'm Still Standing. You got, I guess that's why they call it the blues. You know, Sad you still songs say so much. much. You know, so yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's a there's a couple mixing a few 80s. But I love the set list. Um, again, if, if that's the set list, when I when we see them in November, I will be a happy man and uh, really looking forward to it. I should have seen them. So that's the end. That's the end of the New York, New Jersey area. Oh, no chance. The tri-state. That was uh, well. It, the show that followed, which was last night, is the last show in the tri-state area that he'll do in his career. Because I'm a fan. I've never seen him. You know, would would have been nice. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you got sorry. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. You got. Um, uh, leave on in there you got border song in there you got someone saved my life in there oh. you know i i'm just like i'm just jones i just can't, <laughs> november can't get here soon enough but you know, when you when you love an artist like elton where you know i i don't want to see a greatest hit show right so i'm grateful that he's doing anything i do i do that shows you the paul thing i said right because right. i've never seen him so it's the paul thing right yeah. if i was seeing elton i want all the hits yeah <laughs> yeah you know, understandable 
the big treats like are all. the album cuts that he did. Yeah, yeah. Have yeah. mercy on the criminals, and oh, you know. God. Yeah, that yeah. I know. All right. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. After he <laughs> the Beatles show. Mercy on the criminals. <laughs> This is how we go two hours. Hey, 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 we got, we got these. He's got a Beatles tie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Everything, everything has a Beatles tie, right? <laughs> in some way. Yeah. But uh, bacon. You know, Mona Lisa's in that hat. And Hatters, yeah. Oh, really, yeah. I love that yeah. song. Yeah. But um, and even though he didn't talk much throughout the concert, what he did say packed a lot of punch. Okay. He told this whole story about Aretha Franklin. Right. Because um, Border Song was actually the first single that was released from the Elton John album from 1970. It was before your song. Mm -hmm. Franklin covered it at the time. And and Elton John was just starting out. You know, he was not a well-known songwriter. And for someone of the caliber of Aretha Franklin to cover your song, well, not your song, your song, song. (laughs) song, Um, that was quite an honor right there. They, They remained friends through the years. And you know, Elton's been doing a lot of these these charity concerts for AIDS research and all. And um, the year that Aretha passed away, well, the year before that, she was going to perform for Elton and she couldn't make it because she was too sick. Right. But then the year when she died, Elton said to her, you know, I understand you're not feeling well. It's okay if you don't want to do this. And she said to him, I didn't, I didn't perform for you last year. I'm not going to do that to you again. Elton said she was this thin yeah. and she performed for an hour and 20 minutes and you never would have known. Wow. She sounded oh just God. like she always did. And, um, and that was the last performance, the last concert that Aretha ever gave. Wow. So um, I never knew all that. <laughs> wow. I choked up when I heard that story. Oh, no yeah. kidding. Uh, Ollie uh, Perry asks, how many songs did Elton do? I think I it's about an 18, 18, 19 song set list, if I'm not mistaken. Seven hours and 20 minutes, the whole yeah. concert. Yeah. He did Funeral for a Friend and Love Lies Bleeding. Right. Nice. Um, yeah, but I always look forward to the album cuts more than anything else. Right. Sure, of course. And yeah. unlike when I'm doing my shows here, where I feel it's a requirement, I got to know what Paul's doing and I have to report that in the news. Mm. I went to this cold. I didn't want to know Elton said, right. and that's, that's a great feeling to itself. You don't right. want to go on Facebook or YouTube and find out what he's doing. And I made sure that I didn't know. So, you know, there were a few surprises in there, but most of all, his voice was fantastic. Good. You know, this, Good. this is a man that's gone through a lot of surgery with his throat. Right. Oh, right. Sure. Um, I can't believe how well he sang sometimes. Mm-hmm. And even though he took like um, someone saved my life tonight, I think he brought that down in key. It didn't matter. He still sounded great. Cool. And the band was fantastic, you know. And it really became emotional for me at the end, just realizing this is it. Yeah. You know, I knew it was called farewell, right. Road, yeah. but I never really stopped to think I may never see him again. Yeah, I know. I, I know when those opening piano riffs for Goodbye Yellow Brick Road happen. I know I'm just gonna. I know I'm just going to lose it. You know, it's, you know, yeah. Yeah. But thank you, Ken. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it was an amazing show. And if you haven't seen them, if there's any way you can get tickets, please do so. I missed out. I would have liked to if I knew, if I knew he was that good too. Because I mean, I only remember when he had throat problems. I don't know when that was. Yeah. Uh, Operation and things, you know, I knew you sounded that good and playing all those great hits, you know. Mm -hmm. 
and also he looked so happy on stage. I said, oh, that's great. He does not look like a guy that's ready to give this up. But, you know, he got married not that long ago. He adopted kids, yep. loves being a father. And this is happening to him late in life. And that's what he wants to do once this tour is over. It's just sure. family life. And, you know, who could blame him? Absolutely. Thank you, Elton, for all this great music. I only wish I'd seen him more in concert through the years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Cool. Thank you, Ken. Yeah. So anyway, uh, our main topic uh, for the show tonight has to has to um, deal with John and Paul and the changing perceptions publicly between the two of them, how the public views or we think the public views um, John and Paul since the Beatle breakup. And I got to tell you, about a year ago, Joe was talking about this as an idea for us. And it was something I wasn't really considering because I wasn't fully aware of at times there's some negative publicity that goes out there about John Lennon now. And because of the fact that, you know, people are really appreciating Paul McCartney so much now, you know, how many icons do we have left in the world that have given the world as much as he has? He's 80 years old. The reviews that he gets are glowing for all of his concerts. It's like he can do no wrong. If you go back to 1970, the year of the Beatle breakup, fans got to see the film Let It Be. Paul did not look all that good in the film to a lot of people. He appeared to be domineering and bossy. Everybody talks about the argument with George, which, you know, I've said a million times is, is overdone. <laughs> it's yeah. overblown, really. Yeah. But that was a big highlight of the movie that people talk about and continue to talk about. And John gave uh, the historic interview to Rolling Stone at the end of the year. And he didn't paint a very good picture of Paul McCartney in the interview, saying that um, ever since Brian Epstein died, Paul has been trying to lead us and that the other three members of the Beatles were sick of being sidemen to Paul. Um, and then at the end of the year, Paul sues the other Beatles. So publicly to a lot of people, he didn't have a good image. Although throughout the seventies, his record sure sold. Very well. it, it, that didn't reflect the sales though. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm just talking about the, yeah. the image and right. what right. music critics were saying. Um, and throughout, especially the 70s, John was looked upon as being, you know, the artist, the one that was the better lyricist, the one that took chances and didn't care as much about record sales and cared more about what he was saying with the Plastic on Old Band, for example. And Paul was viewed, at, viewed as Mr. Commercial, Mr. Top 40. He cared more about having commercial success. And that went on and on through the 70s. And... Um, you know, a lot of fans were divided between the two of them, which I think is really sad <laughs> in a way. I mean, to me, I love all four Beatles and John and Paul are both geniuses. And, you know, if you study them, you'll recognize that. But a lot of fans took sides as to which which Beatle they favored more. And then John got murdered. And then you couldn't say anything bad about him for a long time. He was St. John Lennon. And it's understandable that um, you know, people zeroed in on John's contributions in the Beatles and maybe didn't recognize what Paul or the other Beatles brought to the group. 
And um, so for quite a while, John was looked upon as being the genius and all that. And here it is, it's now 42 years later, and I think things have changed. I think that, like I said, the public has grown to really appreciate what Paul McCartney has done with the Beatles in his solo career. He's, um, you know, he soldiered on in all these years throughout all the trauma that he's had to deal with, John getting murdered, George dying, Linda's passing, all that. And here he is, he's still making new music, he's still touring, and people appreciate him a lot more now. And, um, you know, he's coming out smelling like a rose these days. <laughs> and I don't know if John is respected as much as he once was. Now, you know, some of you folks watching this may not agree with that. Maybe you're not seeing what we're seeing. But Joe, you know, if you want to, you know, comment about this, because it was you that really brought this to my attention and to our attention. Right. Not so that we thought we should do a show on this. Right. Well, just, you know, that part, which we're kind of starting like now, rather than talk, I'm not talk, so much talking right about 1970, talking now. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even know how to, how to say it, really, <laughs> although I've said it so many times on my channel. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, I, I, I seem to pick up on that. And a lot of it has to do with the Internet. You know, mm -hmm. it's a, it can be a negative place anyway, social media. You know, people just like to throw stones and everything everywhere. And John's not here to defend himself. But when I think back to, let me put it this way, John, when he was first murdered, yeah, and in this sainthood, deification mm -hmm. of John as God, you know. I mean, that was ridiculous, of course. I mean, you know, John was no saint. He wouldn't want to have been ever thought of as a saint. Right. Part of the appeal was that he was human, like all the rest of us. Right. You know, uh, he cut him and he bleeds, right? And he was... He would sing about his depressions and his insecurities, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he was the first one to say, you know, he wasn't a great father and uh, all the rest of it. And he wasn't really good to two uh, women or his first son, he, you know, Julian, he, he regretted a lot of it. But when somebody is assassinated like that, or mm -hmm. it could have been anything. It could have been, you know, a any other kind of tragedy, too, but you know, plane car accident or plane crash or something. It's natural that they take that deification on. I remember like uh, Paul at one point getting so like uncharacteristically fed up because to Paul's credit, I think he always had John's back and he always spoke highly of John. And when all that Albert Goldman garbage was coming out, he always spoke highly and still does of John. I kind of commend... Paul 100%. But one time he did make that quote where he was, even he was getting a little fed up. You know, he's like Martin Luther Lennon. Right. Yeah. You know, I remember that. Uh, that's only one time. I don't hold that against Paul. And I could see him getting fed up because it wasn't right mm -hmm. to put Paul down that it's all right. about John. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's crazy, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, he just got he just got this the sainter that comes that comes with it, and Paul re, re, resented it. He's, people looked at him as John Lennon's uh, backing guy or something, or in John's shadow for a while. And it was like, hey, you know, you know, I was there too. You know, I I I, I was no slouch, you know, kind of thing. Right. And I get all of that. And then with, I think with things that started to happen, with Paul didn't go his way as smoothly as he was used to, like you know, arguably like Broad Street. 
you know, not being a big success uh, with the critics and the fans. And then uh, some people didn't didn't like or get pressed to play and stuff like that. I, I, all during all this period in the eighties, it was John, you know, who was the master Beatle and everything. Mm. As much as Paul didn't like it, and I don't blame him. I don't think he would have wanted to experience, you know, trade places. It's not worth it, you mm. know, to be obviously that goes without saying. I mean, um, and uh, yeah, so let's just take it up to, to now. That goes on for a while, and a lot of. I hate saying like diehard Paul fans because I'm a diehard Paul fan too. Mm-hmm. And you separate John fan, Paul fan, you know, I'm fans of all four. Right. But you know what I mean? The more diehard, I guess the Paul corner, if you want, you know, would say, you know, this guy's not getting any respect and everything. And it's all about John. And then things started to happen where Paul, thank God, I mean, uh, got really together. And I think around flowers in the dirt, that was the, the real start of it. You know, you want to, you know, I know we have to mince words, come back. You know, you don't want to use that. Paul never really went anywhere, but you know, where he really was doing well again. And then the touring, that was a big thing in 89 and then up to this day. And yeah. and he was able to, yeah, you got, you got to give me a break folks with the words. Cause I don't know. I don't want to use the wrong words, but reestablish himself or strengthen his reputation again, mm-hmm. take back whatever it was that people didn't see anymore for a little bit when the wake of John's murder. Now, all of a sudden Paul is able to do great albums and tours and be out there. And, and I think it's fantastic. Even though I'm, I come on, I'm a John guy, you know, so to speak. I mean, where would we be without Paul with this, you know, tireless uh, talent that he has and constantly uh, making music and other all kinds of work, not just music, uh, with everything that he does. And he just keeps going and going. It is amazing. He's 80 years old, has no signs of stopping, which is terrific. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thrilled that a whole new generation has been more than one. I mean, these people are all coming up. These kids, they get to Paul, whether they saw him on tour in 1990, whether they saw him in 2000, 2020. It's just going on and on and on. And I think it's gotten to the point, and I know I'm long-winded here, but you know where I'm going. Well, now I've seen a change, you know, with the internet. John's dead 42 years. Obviously, he's not making any new music. Uh, it's, it's only Paul new, new music. I mean, you can't blame a fan if you're getting into these guys. What are you going to do? You can't buy new John music, mm-hmm. new albums, buy new Paul albums or Ringo. You know, we haven't even talked about George leaving us too early. Right. But um, so it's all about Paul in that respect. And I, and I honestly get it. Um, but I think what's happened is I don't know exactly how it started other than the fact that people just like the negativity. People just say, oh, Lennon, and there's a guy I used to work with, he'd say, Song Imagine would come on the radio, and he would say, oh, oh what are they even playing? This guy's a, he's a wife beater. He was a wife beater. You know, things like come out, yeah. and that's what they go with, you know. Yoko, oh, she's the screamer, you know. Uh, Elvis, he had, you know, but fried banana and peanut butter sandwiches. You know? <laughs> that's what it is. So now it's this whole thing. That's all it is. John was treated as son like garbage. He would go around, you know, Using all these women, whatever you know, um, I don't want to go too far into that, but you you know what I mean. And that's all they seem to see now. And it's hard because I made a video a few years ago called "Imagine Having to Defend John Lennon," mm. because 
the 1980s, around 88 or something with the Albert Goldman book. I mean, you know, John was like too, too much like a saint. It was the other way. Right. You can't have, you know, he, he's in the middle. But I just think at this particular point to wrap this up for now, I just think now I could take some of that stuff, the more soft stuff coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, George was uh, interviewed on, I think it was West 57th in 1987. There's this beautiful clip where the woman interviewing him says, you know, he wasn't a saint. Or, you know, maybe you've seen this clip and George says, no. And he says, oh, he, he wasn't an angel. That's what it was. He wasn't an angel. And he said, no, he says, but he was as well. <laughs> you know, and, he said, and, and, and she says, really? He says, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, this, we're forgetting this. We're losing we're losing this part of John. It's too much like he's just the bad guy. And that's something I'm feeling. And I wish I could read the comments as I'm talking, but I can't. <laughs> I don't know what people think. Yeah, there's but, some uh, great yeah. comments here. We have mm. to kind of, you know, ha- never thought I'd say we got to start putting a like, you know, let's love John, you know, soft to John mm. Lennon thing out there. And then people a lot of times will see interviews with him. Maybe they haven't seen. It could be something like the Today, just something as simple as the Today clip that he did. It's a small little 1974 bit where he gets on there and he's talking about, hey, well, all of us for the first time have records in the charts again mm. for the first time, all of us. So for, uh-huh. And it's all, you know, he's pretty, he was, that's so bad. He's a, He's actually could be nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's everybody's thing, losing you know? losing sight of that. They just want to see the bad John, and that's really becoming overblown. That's yeah. There were so many sides to John Lennon, and that's part of yeah. what been fascinating. There were times yeah. in his interviews when he would be bitter. Right. You know, that 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 nineteen seventy one interview, <clears throat> the one I, oh, I yeah. all the time with David Wigg. Yeah. You know, and then there would be times when he was happy and jolly and, uh, yeah. you know, and he embraced his past, you know, and um, that's the thing. None of the Beatles would ever claim to be perfect. None of us think of them as perfect human beings. We admire them first and foremost for their work. But there's so many good things you could say about all four of them. But at the same time, you study them, you'll know that they've made mistakes, too. And John certainly was, his, his life wasn't a total open book, but it was as close as you could get. So there's nothing that should really shock you about. Right. What you're about. <clears throat> and I should, I should mention Ken also that, because you know, I do a lot of videos on my channel and we discuss this a lot in comments. And a lot of people from England say it's different in England. John yeah. is kind of still revered that way in England where Paul is maybe not okay. as... Yeah, worshipped or appreciated as he should be. That's what I hear from a lot of people from from England. Me too. How true it is, you know, I don't know. Yeah, this is from an American perspective. Right. American. We admit. Right. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> I apologize. Right. I yes, American. Too right. influenced by American <laughs> media, I guess. Yeah. It, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, kind of jumping off what what joe was saying yeah i mean i i definitely remember in the 80s and that's you know when i was really starting to get into the beatles absolutely i mean in in the wake of john's death he definitely became you know like a saint which uh as you said joe was probably the last thing john would have wanted um you know and um and definitely in in the press um and and so forth i mean he was absolutely you know was portrayed as he was the edgy one you know he was the true creative (laughs) one you know and uh and he 
you know, was, and of course, also the, you know, because of Imagine Give Peace a Chance and everything, he was the, you know, the peace about, you know, the, the, the mm. peaceful one and, and so forth. And, and for a while, yeah, I mean, Paul was seen as, oh, he's the commercial one. And, and because also of, as you kind of alluded to, Joe, what he was going through in the 80s and in some ways, some, I mean, of course, tug of war was critically acclaimed mm. and everything. But then what he went through with some pipe, pipes of peace, get my girls Broad Street, you know, he was going through, you know, a bit of a rough period in, in some ways critically. Um, he wasn't seen as cool for a while, quite frankly. I mean, in yeah. the eyes of some. And so, uh, and then when pressed to play, it didn't do well commercially. And, and again, in some ways, critically. I remember him coming out, and in fact, somebody mentioned in the comments, I think it was Astro Jer uh, mentioned, he started doing some interviews where uh, he started fighting back. Yep. You know, yep. remember that? Yep. And I remember specifically, I think it was in the uh, the Greatly Missed Musician magazine, <laughs> um, where he did, I think this was around the time that All the Best came out. So this was in the wake of, of you know, the, the disappointment of, of Press to Play. And and it was a picture of him, you know, holding a guitar, you know, and it said, Paul McCartney gets angry. <laughs> I, I'll never forget that. Yeah. That was the headline. And he kind of said that for a while he felt like he couldn't defend himself because he'd sound like a jerk, you know, talking about it after in the wake of, of John's death. And he said he didn't feel like he could say, well, I was as you know, much into avant-garde as he was, and, you know, because it just, you know. well, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Right. But, I mean, I mean, I'd like to get to. Actually. Yeah. Yep. And, <laughs> you know, and so, but he finally decided, you know, he, he had enough. And also somebody mentioned in the comments, which is true. If you remember that 48 hours episode, uh, where they followed him in 89 when uh, when he was in uh, Chicago. Was, was hey, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was at I was at the show that they they, uh, oh, they followed him. Uh, but anyway, um, and uh, they, you know, did those interviews with him backstage. And I think they brought this up where they talked about, you know, how did he feel about, you know, John getting some of the credit, uh, a bit more of the credit and, you know, and it bothered him. I mean, mm -hmm. you could really tell. And also, if you recall, when that Goldman book came out, I mean, you know, the everybody defended John, it seemed. I mean, everybody. I mean, just absolutely, um, you know, called it trash and everything. And you just wonder if that book came out now, would it be treated like that? Hmm. I wonder. Well, with that book, I mean, you know, John, you know, I always said John always told you the dirt anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, more or less so i always even back then i said what are you gonna hear that you don't already know because he'd tell you mm -hmm. show you his warts and everything so that didn't really matter but yep. i mean i don't want i want tom i'm very anxious for tom to oh, come that's right this, go for go ahead I just want to just so i have the i have some things written down uh they're all you know still some paul like again the ones i call like i don't know like me of paul diehard but you know the paul people whatever you want to call them you know, they still think they're still not satisfied. A lot of they still think Paul gets isn't John's shadow, and uh, I don't see I don't see it anymore. Um, and uh, I just thought about an interview with with the Ringo. I want to say from when he was doing "Time Takes Time." I have all these things recorded, and I remember there was one where you know one of these silly interviews where somebody said, "I'm going to name give you four names. Tell me the first thing that comes into your mind." 
<laughs> so he says, I think John was the first one. He says, John, okay. he says, kindest. Mm-hmm. He says, this is from Ringo's perspective, admittedly. That's his relationship. Mm-hmm. And then he says, uh, Paul, he says, melodic. Mm-hmm. And George, cool. <laughs> and then he said, Ringo? And he goes, great. But seriously, but, but I think Paul is melodic to Ringo. The other two have personality things, kindest, cool, you know. Yeah. That that's interesting to me that 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 quote, um, yeah. I, and the other thing before we I, I let it go with this uh, over to, and hopefully hand it over to Tom, um, you know I was thinking all this stuff about uh, the avant garde thing and everything. Look, I believe reputations exist for a reason because it's the majority usually. Like Paul is generally, in my opinion, I'm saying that kindly. I think in, I could say as a fact, <laughs> but is the more soft one, the softer one overall. John was the harder edge one. There's no doubt about it. It's going to be like that forever. But Paul could do very hard edge. John could be very soft, right? And I think the cliche about the lyrics too, uh, uh, Paul's got some amazing lyrics. But John is generally, I would say, a better lyricist, was a better lyricist overall, all things considered. Paul could write some great lyrics. John can write some poor lyrics. Everybody likes to bring up stuff like Only People. <laughs> the song Only People. A lot of people pick on that one. Sorry, Ken. I know you're a big Mind Games fan, as I am. But, well, I, you know, I that's... believe, like John said, Paul writes great lyrics when he wants to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do think, you know, trying to be fair here, you know, I do <clears> think John was envious of Paul's talents and abilities. You know, it could be jealous. Yeah, I, you know. I agree with you. Um, yeah, but before we go on to Tom, I, I just wanted to finish one of my one of my thoughts. So I just thought, you know, I, I want to chime in with something Joe was saying, which part of this may be in terms of the reaction, you know, about change in, in John's image in, in, you know, that some of this may be because of the time that's passed and the fact that Paul is so active. You know, the fact he has released so many albums, he's toured so much. Keep going. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, the fact that he is obviously more in the public eye and uh, and it's just amazing when you look at i mean i remember in the 80s when you know i was first learning about the beatles like something like ram i mean ram was was absolutely trashed back then i mean i remember reading about oh it was just one of the worst things he ever recorded look at it now i mean how how opinion has changed on that i mean now that's considered you know a, a landmark indie you know, album, and it's considered, you know, downright cool now. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, uh, you know, and when I was into the, into Paul in the 80s and all, I mean, some of my, my friends I knew in high school were cooler and all, oh, they thought he was just a dork. <laughs> I mean, to be well, honest yeah, that's, with that's you. Yeah, that's how it was. It was like, I mean, I remember in school, Paul, you know. He wasn't cool, no. you know, and so, but now, it's a completely different story. He's, he's, he's pretty cool now. <laughs> exactly. And and somebody mentioned in the comments and, and made a very good point that Get Back did, did a lot of good for Paul, too. Oh, absolutely. Yes, it I did. mean, it did. It and all that, really... that, that only helped helped his reputation. He was worried, right, for a while. Yeah. You know, I think well, about that. And they thought maybe he didn't want it to come out. Then we learned maybe it was one of the other 
three that didn't really want it. Paul, Paul, I think one time he said something like, "Well, I don't particularly come off that that good in that thing. You know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't want it out." Let it be. On the whole, he does come out very so well. He says, in this now it helped him immensely. He because you know, and it hurt John too while we were on the subject. Yeah, you know, because John really. I mean, I, you know, I'm watching. I'm like, Paul's helping out with "Don't Let Me Down." I'm like. I didn't know that, you know, and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, he, he's really, I mean, I mean, John was, you know, doing some H then, and, uh, you know, he was involved in Yoko more. He was, his, that was more his scene. Uh, so he wasn't as invested. Although, in part two, I think once they move and get Billy Preston in yeah. there, John is becoming more focused. Right. But, <clears throat> but yeah, Paul looks fantastic and, and the genius that he is songwriting genius that he is well you know i mean paul is human like the rest of us like sure. i'm trying to say and um you know john said at the end of 1970 in rolling stone it was the, the let it be sessions were the most miserable sessions on earth and so paul like a lot of other people believe that mm. yeah but really they all said that though ken didn't they i mean george pretty much they all felt maybe they they drank the let it be kool-aid <laughs> you know, I mean, they even remember Twickenham more than the other because it wasn't just John, although they did follow along with that. Because George thought it was, I remember interviews with George around the peri period saying, I know I don't, I can't stand seeing it, but for those who want to see our warts, it's very good. But I, <laughs> I can't stand seeing it. I remember that quote from uh, an audio piece, you know. Uh, so you watch Get Back, and again, let's let's also try to be realistic here and i think that get back was as brilliant as could possibly be it's almost eight hours of footage there's another 52 hours of footage right <laughs> and we don't know what that's in there that's fair proof positive there that a lot of those sessions were joyous especially oh, yeah. Apple recording sessions. yeah yeah the apple stuff yeah but it also helped you to understand the four of them and how they approached this deadline of, you know, how do I get an album of all new material together, a TV special and a concert. And Paul in the beginning was feeling the pressure and you could tell during the Twickenham sessions, the other three reacted very differently in the way that, that you know, this whole thing was handled. And um, once you understand that about Paul, that he was trying to drive the band when he was the one writing more material at the time than John, I always like to bring up that one moment when Paul asked John how many songs have you written? Mm. Yeah, I was going to say that's <laughs> right. really telling. Right. And he's like, and John's really like, come on, John, I'm sitting there, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> he was writing Dig a Pony then and Don't Let Me Down, he just wrote. You know, so. Not entirely, didn't have anything. I mean, brand new, new. Yeah. But anyway, Tom, your thoughts. Yeah, you know, just, you know, real quick on that get back to with with Paul, you know, looking good. I mean, look out, look how um, um, the uh, Tricky Dicky song, you know, was presented as a new composition from from John and Paul. It wasn't, uh, you know, just a John song. So, uh, yeah, you know, that was another one. Yeah. yeah. You know, so so that there again, you know, looks great for Paul. But, you know what? The first, I would say, first five, seven, eight years being into the Beatles and into the you know 80s and then into the 90s. I mean, I wasn't pay I didn't really pay attention to that stuff. I mean, yeah, I had the complete Beatles. I had Imagine John Lennon, 
the, the film, you know, so I was, wasn't really paying attention to anything, any of that. So I'm playing like catch up now, you know, getting, trying to be a sponge and, and getting all of this information and, and going back now and looking at it. And it is really fascinating when, when you look at it and how, you know, their images have changed over the years. I mean, you know, Paul right off the bat, you know, dealing with, you know, being blamed for the breakup of the Beatles. And then, you know, in my opinion, letting the music talk for himself. I mean, he wasn't, I mean, unless, you know, you had the beat, you know, the battle between John and Paul there in the early seventies, you know, the war of words, but, you know, he was still, he was still more or less taking the high road uh, in that and not trying to, you know, you know, be rude or mean to John. He's still trying to be a, a PR guy, you know, and, and trying to smooth over things um, and, and letting the music uh, take over. I mean, look how, how he did not want to talk about Beatles. He didn't perform Beatles songs uh, live wow. in, the, in those early Wings days. I mean, he just wanted the, you know, nothing to do with it. Uh, I mean, yeah, suing them in, you know, in, in was it the late 70? I mean, probably didn't, you know, help his image either, but you know, again, it didn't reflect in the charts like we talked about earlier, right? I mean, another day is top five. Uh, uh, you know, Uncle Albert is, is number one. Uh, the McCartney album is one. Ram is two. Uh, you know, it's not only until Wildlife where he does take the chance and doesn't put his name on it or any name on it, you know, and it's just, a, just its record on its own. Then it kind of, you know, I think it was, a, what, number 10? Number 10. Um, yeah. So, and then... So I don't see how his image really, you know, unless you were like a John guy, you know, you were kind of maybe against against Paul a little bit. But again, seeing it differently than, you know, seeing, you know, dealing with it in real time. You know, I, I just, you know, I think Paul may take the brunt of all of this um, at the beginning, you know, starting with the 70s. And then again, at the beginning, of the 80s with that, you know, ain't it a drag comment. Then he gets, right. you know, then he gets beat up, you know, about that as well. And then with the, the, the John, you know, being the saint and then him always, you know, t again, taking the high road, saying, you know, good stuff and sticking up and having John's back. Not until the, the Vic Gambarini uh, interview from 1980 and then the Chris Selvick uh, interview from from 86 that where, you know, he, you know, he really starts, you know, kind of sticking up for himself uh, mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, and then, you know, then what in the nineties, then we get many years from now where he's, you know, probably tired of say, hearing everybody saying, well, John was the Beatles. He did this, he did that, you know, and I, and I think that, you know, he cares, he cares about his image, I think personally. Oh, yeah. And you know what I mean? And if he didn't care, I mean, he, this would just, he would just continue to brush this off many years from now would not exist if he didn't care, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, so, so that, in, in that regards, I think, um, you know, is it a little petty that for him to continue to do it, you know, maybe, I mean, listen, listen to how he talks about John right now in the, in the lyrics book. I mean, yeah, he's still yeah. saying nice stuff about it, but he's also, you know, got a couple of F-bombs in there in the lyrics book, you know, saying, you know, no F you John, you know, talking about how John has only complimented him once in his career, which I don't necessarily uh, put a lot of, uh, you know, stock into that, but you know, he's not helping John's image right now either and kind of in a way, yes and no, by making those comments. Um, you know, I, it really is, you know, if we had the internet back then, I'd be really curious to see how this would all, you know, if this would have started sooner, if John's image would have happened, you know, like this sooner. And, you know, and it's, 
I think it's more in the minority or not. We do see it on like Joe's streams. We see it on other people's streams. Um, unfortunately, where, you know, we get the, you know, you know, John was a bad father. You know, John wasn't a good husband. He, you know, he, he couldn't uh, end his relationship with Cynthia first and then go to Yoko. I mean, he's, <laughs> he was dealing it with, with uh, you know, image, you know, as far back as, you know, when people, I mean, even now you, you see people, um, making fun or, or saying bad things about John when he was go like this on stage and, you know, and oh, yeah. kind of, you know, make the, the face, people. you know? So yeah. 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 And well, that's you know, just him because of the times now. It's well, like, yeah. But see, then again, people, people don't research that kind of thing. They just see that and they just yeah, want to, yeah, Oh, yeah. look how, look how, you know, they don't see, they don't, they don't research and see John's life before he came a father and then how right. he ha was in a situation where he had a bad father, you know, I mean, yeah. people don't necessarily yeah. go that deep into this. They just want to go, oh, look how, he, you know, he was, a, he was a bad person. Why could you, why could he be your hero when he's done all of this, you know, bad stuff in his life? I just don't. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff. He, right. Even though they exactly. were, even though he and Yoko were naive in so many ways with the peace. Stuff, right. Say. And the political got, stuff. You know, yeah. He did more for peace than a lot of people. Than right. I right. But anyway, uh, uh, and I just want to be, I have some notes jotted down. Right. <laughs> Some, some of the things you said, like when you mentioned about, you know, John was the Beatles that I knew a guy that thought that, you know, back mm. then, you know, well, I was that was, you know, he said that John Lennon was. the. I don't was, think that, that personally. Was, though, no, no, saying, no. I know. But that was that's what people were saying back then. You know, a lot of people and a, this friend of mine was saying that. But now and this is important for me to say, and I've said it to you folks here, the three, the three of you. Now it's very much Paul was the Beatles. And that's what's getting yeah. me because. And you know how I know this? I said this before, because even for me, now I know that's not the case. The Beatles were all four guys doing their part right. in Four-Headed mm -hmm. Monster, right? right? However, even I am starting to think that. And that, to John's detriment, and that's really, for me to say that, that's pretty bizarre. Like, right. I'll see a photo now. If I see a Beatles photo, I look and I see Paul and three guys. Mm -hmm. Uh like I'm looking at, <clears throat> excuse me, Herman's Hermits or something. I'm looking at Peter Noon and the right. band, or I'm looking at whatever. I'm like, no, oh, come on, it's the Beatles, you know. He stands out to me more, Paul. Now, as the genius, the guy that's been around so long, that's kept it up, that never tired, that kept go still going. Um, he's the guy that the, all the ideas. He's the guy that wants to work in the studio, and the other guys, time to make a record. Let's go in. Uh -huh. <laughs> That kind of thing they used to joke about, and Paul's, you know, the workaholic, right. and I'm like, you know, he's the driving force, and I'm like, in some ways, I don't blame people, younger people, especially for thinking it's Paul and the other guys. Yeah, especially I get back, it. get back, yeah. solidified that. Right. There's, There's one thing I could that would wish Paul would just, you know, just take <clears throat> a back seat on is, you know, what he, you know, his part in in the Beatles. I understand he wants that to get out and he, he wants people to understand that he had more more to do than maybe what has been said in the past i understand yeah. that but yeah. uh, you know again john's not here to to retort you know with 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 those you know those words it was a funny thing is i was doing i saw a video or i was reading an interview with paul and he was talking about the threedles when that was going on yeah. um and they were interviewing them all at once and all three of them were remembering things differently yeah right right yes you know what i mean and 
you got, you would have to imagine that that would be the same thing if if we had John today, if, we, if, if John and Paul were sitting in, you know, being interviewed by 60 Minutes or something like that. And then, you know, he, you know, one of the interviewer just says, all right, she loves you. I'm sure they would just have a different idea of, you know, that particular song or memory. Right. You know? So unfortunately, we don't get that. So I wish I just wish Paul would kind of calm down in that in yeah. that regard. Well, it's easier for you to say that. Tom. Right. Oh, absolutely. I get it. It's I get it. To just keep silent because John is is not, dead. And people might be wrong silent. Well, not I be mean, silent. But I mean, I mean, the whole book wanting to take credit for something that you did. The people there's right. a lot of petty but, stuff but, going but, on. But <laughs> why couldn't you? Why couldn't you have done that? I mean, John didn't have any problem talking about the songs in the seventies. You know, I mean, why couldn't you? Why couldn't you have done it sooner? Uh, you know, if if you care so much about your part in the band, you know do it sooner. I mean, if you're, you're being interviewed nonstop in the seventies, right. You got all, you got four or five Rolling Stone interviews. Uh, mm -hmm. You got, you know, so many other, you know, uh, English interviews uh, around the world interviews, you know, and, but, but again, he's the one that's kind of like almost wants the Beatles to go away, you know, but it's well, all four of them wanted yeah. to establish themselves in the seventies and not rely on doing Beatles material in concert. Right. They only did a few. Right. You know, and they didn't want to be hounded about, you know, with Beatle questions. Mm -hmm. It just so happens, you know, the, the Rolling Stone interview with John was right at the time when the Beatles broke up and right. he'd have to expect, you know, a lot of questions about oh, what sure. is the status of the band and all this. So, you know, uh, it's it's easier when you're not in the same position. Mm -hmm. And I oh, see absolutely. things that Paul has done, especially much has been made of switching the Lennon McCartney songwriting, you know, mm -hmm. to McCartney Lennon, which right. was not new because it was done in 63 with their with stuff mm -hmm. on uh, the Please Please Me album was listed as McCartney Lennon originally. Right. A lot of people who will look at John's name first or in sheet music, you know, mm -hmm. they might think that John was the writer or that, you know, it's the first name that comes up. So some people might get the wrong impression. And though I've said this before, the average band out there doesn't have, uh, you know, four vocalists, lead vocalists, oh, yeah. and two main songwriters, and a third uh, songwriter who is developing and getting better and better. You know, it's very complicated. When I was a kid growing up listening to the Beatles, sometimes I couldn't tell one from the other vocalist. You yeah. know, eventually you learn it. But I mean, it's complicated. And there have been times when, well, who was it? You know, um, Frank Sinatra thought that something was a Lennon McCartney song and and Mike Douglas is on his show and he's singing Michelle yeah. and Yoko as guests, you know, yeah. thinking, oh, you know, it's Lennon McCartney. He must have written it. <laughs> you know, a lot of people make that mistake. Mm -hmm. right, yeah. Oh, no, I agree. And another thing, too, is I, I think another reason why John is kind of getting pushed to the side is is the stuff that Paul has been putting out you know, these last 20 years, especially the last 20 years has just been, you know, one really good album after another. And yeah. yeah and then also, you know, the, the live thing, like you, you guys touched on earlier as well. I mean, Ken, like you said, I mean, these reviews of these live shows are just, I mean, one after another, they're just more and more favorable, favorably, um, you know, I mean, how can John defend himself with that? I mean, all we can do now is just get more you know, reissues, you know, every 10 years or so. 
um, you know, anniversary editions from John, you know. And I wish Paul was more secure about a lot of it. I Sometimes I think he's not secure enough in his own legacy. Mm-hmm. And he, I understand some of the worry, oh, gee, you know, like the sheet music, if it says John Lennon, or on the computer, John Lennon, and McCartney's right. name's cut off. Yeah. I, I could sympathize with that to a point. But I mean, uh, I don't like Mr. Kite being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. I don't know what year that was in 2005 yeah. or later. Doing- live or what he started doing it live and he wanted you know his quote was a paraphrasing something like you know i i wanted to establish uh me as being a, a co-writer of it or a part partly yeah. mine claim reclaim reclaim it as partly my own i right. think was that see the thing is i, I get see, this is the difficult part because i could i could see both sides i weighed both sides if i was the author i'd be like well i did write if I did write some of it, I, why shouldn't right. I let people know about it? But the other half, I said, you know what? The man's dead 42 years. I'll use some examples. Um, Michelle, that's a Paul song. You know, even if John had the I love you thing. Right. Uh, in my life, that's a John song. You know, it's John's song. You know, leave it alone. You know, uh, Mr. Kite, that's the John. John, Paul. I don't know why it's necessary to have to like needle and analyze. Oh, I did the Strawberry Fields. Uh, I'm gonna get the right instrument. Mellotron is that what? Mellotron. It is? Yeah. I did the Mellotron. Oh, okay. Help! I did. Help is a John song, you know? and and it's like just crushing every, you know, uh, feeling everybody had about John. This is John's song, more or less. Uh, sure, they wrote together most of the time. I saw an interview again, an old interview with George, where he said something to, about Eleanor Rigby. I don't remember how. It, what someone said to him to get him to say it. And he said, sure, but I could really get into that too. Like, I don't go around saying how I, oh, I think it was John was felt mad with George, but not mentioning John's contributions in the I Me Mind book. And then George said, well, I oh, could get, right. I could have said how I, I don't see how I wrote two lines to Eleanor Rigby or how right. I wrote. Right. Before we know, he could, <laughs> George, <laughs> look how many were doing it in Get Back. You know, contributing each other with what uh, was all things must here. pass. Yeah. And, and John saying uh, mine can blow the clouds away instead of uh, the wind. Yeah, who knows how many words? Yeah. Mal Evans changed the word in the long and windy road. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. One one other thing to uh, to note here um, is that you know we and and many of the commenters, uh, you've all been. But, adding to the discussion credibly here. Yes, thank you. Um, and, and thank you very much. Um, is, you know, we've all been quoting different interviews. Mm-hmm. And this is something, and I think we we talked about this off camera last week about, you know, that that interviews present problems. And, and I know, speaking as a researcher, you know, you always have to present, uh, uh, approach interviews with caution because you have to think about like particularly john you know when when i'm researching songs and and finding you know things about what john said about the songs at different times it's it's just so frustrating because one interview he'll say oh that was crap you know i you know that song i just wrote that you know and then in another interview he may say well you know, he may go into more detail about it, you know, or he may say, I think Paul wrote something in that. I don't know. You know, he'll change his story as, as the interviews go on. And I'm not saying he was lying or anything, but I just think, you know, you have to think about when they were doing those interviews, like when John, I think you referred to it earlier, Ken, that 
you know, infamous 1970 Rolling Stone uh, interview. He was just pissed off. Exactly. You know, think about that time when he was doing that interview, just coming off the Beatles. And yeah, he was to say he was pissed is putting it mildly. Yeah, he was just he was just he was just shooting everything down and everything was like a myth, you know, exactly Went too far. He went too he far. went too far, you know, and then in subsequent interviews, you know, he wasn't as bitter. Yeah. And then by 1980, when he was doing interviews, you know, like shortly before he passed, he was way more mellow. You know, I mean, he was a defending Paul's bass playing. Right? Yeah. Saying that he Calling Paul's bass extraordinary. playing. Yeah. Yep. And you know, and Paul, similar thing, you know, so you have to think about, and again, I'm not saying they're lying or anything, but I just think, you know, you have to think about what was their state of mind at the time? What was their agenda at the time? Right. You know, it's, it's, uh, so you have to, you know, approach these with, yeah. you know, with some, I mean, just knowing the context of, yeah. of the interview at that particular time. And they were also tying it into this tonight. Their image. What was the image they were thinking about? Yeah, and although John was John was coming out of it at forty, you know, all of them around forty still weren't out of it. I mean, you know, uh, as far as like really embracing the Beatles completely and more willing to talk about them and be more complimentary and forget the past and everything. John didn't have a chance to get old, you know. To exactly Ringo now, right? Ringo, you could see Ringo on these shows and and Rolling Stone interview. You know, I do come here and I do an interview. I remember the him telling them on Merv Griffin or something, like, come over here to do an interview. And 20 years ago, it gets like, you know, five pages, and the movie gets a line, one line, you know, the caveman right. or something. Come on. Now, he talks a lot about the Beatles. They, you know, embrace it, or more fondly of each other, or about the memories of Get Back, now that they're seeing it and stuff. Right, you know, but John didn't have that opportunity really. Exactly. Oh, he was getting there, he was getting there. Yeah, yeah. You know, can I just say something about when John gave interviews? I, I get a little bit upset that a lot of people don't believe John because he changed his opinion so much. To me, that's all a part of being human, mm-hmm. you know. You could change the way you feel about I it. I change my opinion all the time, yeah. So, I really think that even when he was angry or when he was mellow. He was saying what he felt in the moment. And I still think he was being honest in his feelings at the time. So I think it has value. He's all those things wrapped up into one. You know, mm-hmm. you know it's, it's, he's a complex person. In some ways, I think Paul is very complex too. Sure. And when you're talking about Paul being insecure, so was John. Yeah. Remember that Paul said, um, John told him once, do you think I'm going to be remembered when I'm, when I'm gone? You know, and Paul said, of course you're going to be remembered. <laughs> genius, genius. Yeah. We're proving Oops. it right now. We get comments. I've got comments in here. See, for example, um, going back and forth about what I'm saying. And I, I lost them now. I disagree. Susan's saying I disagree with Mr. Mayo about Mr. Kite, since Paul did indeed contribute to its writing and that of in my life. And my friend Woodland Goblin, who's a real big Paul guy, is saying, "Yeah, Joe don't know that. You know, like he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't, he's not Paul, acknowledging Paul that Joe." I've written the melody for in my life. 
And, and, he, and he says, why can't, you know, Moodle Gallo says, why can't we be fair to Paul, too? I'm just saying, give Paul credit for writing in John's big songs. He gets credit. It's his name. It's Lennon and McCartney. He gets credit. <laughs> well, that right there is credit. You know? But, but <laughs> you know, the thing is, too, is too though, but again, what George, don't forget Woodland Goblin, you know, what did George say in that interview I told you about? He said, yeah, but I don't go on about how I didn't get, I did two lines in this song or, right. or a line in that song. You know, and you can see it and get back to whether it's old brown shoe and he's asking for help, like what, you know, what what goes on in here uh, and about something attracts John saying about cauliflower. Uh, is it cauliflower? Whatever yeah. word comes into your head. Oh, you yeah. Know. But, you, you know, they all helped each other. And Ringo was even trying. Remember when he said he was trying to say, uh, what was the song about? He used blast from your past. Looking for, they were doing get back, trying to find the words, <laughs> looking for some California grass or something. We're going looking for a blast from the past. They might <laughs> oh, have yeah. used something. They might have used something we don't know that he used. Now, is Ringo supposed to start saying, you know, we did this song. I came up with that, that, that line. And Ringo might have come up with a line or two. Mal Evans. I'm sorry. It bother me at all if they can't, if they can't no. explain those things. You can't but expect they don't. all to be, <laughs> was, they're their own personalities. And like you said, and we all do this, when it comes to Lennon McCartney songs, whichever guy sang lead, we all just figure he's the writer. Or the main writer. Much. He's the main writer, but then sometimes that little bit that the other guy wrote may have made a big difference. You know, and that, that's important. We talk about this all the time on our podcast. There are times when the arrangements of songs, what right. George Harrison contributed with his guitar work or with his lead guitar solos or those four notes that he gave to And I Love Her, how that changed the song, you know? It There's a good example. With that. But does he get a songwriting credit? No. Right. Um, right. You know, again, as the, the lyrics or the melody, but that's a major contribution. Yeah, I get it. I mean, especially, you know, with the information in the lyrics book too. You know, I mean, us as Beatle fans, you know, and, and solo fans, I mean, we should want to know the most information about it. I mean, like Paul talking about Ticket to Ride and saying that the ride was a town in what the, I think the Isle of Man. I mean, I never knew that before. I don't know how many other people, yeah, ruins. you know, I've heard you, know <laughs> you know, that, before, heard you know, right, you know, but I, I think if. Sometimes they have different takes. Yeah, they have different takes on it. Two guys would say, "Well, that's that's not my take on what it right. was about." If you're a person and John Lennon used to be your hero, and you find out things about his life that you don't agree with, don't let don't punish the music. Don't put other people down because they're still fans of that music. If you're just don't be mad at the music. Why? I don't understand. Don't put other downs for other people down just because you don't necessarily you, you hate what he did in his life. I get it. We all are disappointed. We all are not perfect people. We all do things in our life that we probably, you know, wish we didn't. I know I, I do stuff to this day where I wish I didn't do it, but I, I just wish that people could separate the work from the person and not necessarily punish the work as much as you also punish the person. Well, sometimes the person too comes out in the work, right? Yeah. The well, I guess. Yeah. Right. right. Especially with someone like right. John, who was so yeah, exactly. feeling yeah. about 
But I mean, if you're mad at him because he's not a because he wasn't a great father to Julian, then yeah, I'm so tired of know, that. It's a whole other show, right? Never had Come a chance. Yeah, you know. <laughs> you know? I, I truly believe that had he lived, he would have had a great relationship. I think so, too. I think and he so was too. getting one. He was getting a lot better. He was only 40, just turned 40. Right. Yeah. And not for nothing, but, you know, there's this site that I found. I think it's called The Love of John Lennon. I think mm. it's called. And I constantly see pictures when I'm on my phone. I save them to my phone. I could do a book, although I wouldn't because I don't. You know, I don't want to put any stuff that I don't own out there. But uh, there's so many photos of John with Julian and Yoko snowmobiling. I think, what did they get? Oh, Yoko never wanted to be around uh, Julian. Didn't like Julian. There's pic- Even Julian will say these things. And there's pictures of uh, like a snowmobiling. I remember one picture. They're going down the snow. And it's Yoko and John and Julian. And there's all these pictures. Of him. I, said, I didn't even know there were that many pictures from different eras. The, six, six, the 65, 66, 67. John with Aunt Mimi and, and Julian walking, holding his hand, Sergeant Pepper ever. I mean, all these different things. I'm like, I thought he only saw thought John only saw Julian like four or five times, according to Julian. No offense out there. I, I'm sorry if I come in on strong. I don't it's your life, not Julian, not mine. Right. I'm just saying, when I see the pictures speak a thousand words, there's plenty of pictures, including the Yoko era and um, the late 70s with Yoko and, and Julian together and I, I, you know, I don't understand sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what, what it comes down to is what, what you said, Ken, at the beginning, which is like everybody else, John Lennon was a complicated person, <laughs> you know, a multidimensional human being. And, and guess what? So is Paul, you yeah. know, <laughs> hate, hate to break it to everybody. Yeah, uh, and... well, you know, he doesn't let you see it that often. Come right. on. I mean, yeah, he I, just might be, maybe not isn't as honest about it. Um, you know. But and and you know that might be also you know what the problem has been. You know, getting back to sort of the general topic of this discussion here is you know the the, the shifting public images because you know it's it's easy to just slap labels you know mm-hmm. on, on people right. much easier to do that i mean you know i mean growing up in the 80s i remember it was you know paul's the ballads guy and john's the rocker remember right. that you i know? mean you well, know there's that... reasons for that as i said the majority you know generally that's still going to happen long after they're all gone they're going to say that because it, it's mostly it works mm-hmm. out that way mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, Paul, we could name forever all the great rockers that Paul's done. Oh, you sure. Know, yeah. You know, or, however, he does have that aura about him, that balladier, yeah. sweet aura about him that is the main, his main bread and butter. <laughs> but if you point to like McCartney 2 or, or parts of McCartney 3, you know, mm. you'd be like, this is the, you know, if you think of him as the balladier, yeah, like, yeah. this is the same guy, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, because no, he can, crazy. he can get you know, he can get weird. He can, uh, you know, he, he can rock hard. I mean, you right. know, and with, with John, in fact, somebody, you know, mentioned it earlier in the comments, you know, woman. he wrote, he wrote woman. Right. No, yeah, I, mean, I know. But again, write... I say that's cherry picking. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. He can write w- woman and he can write beautiful boy, but that's the minority. You know, mm-hmm. I think, I but, think maybe I'm wrong. Tell me if, yeah. you know, if well, I'm wrong. Well, I mean, I just think that, in other words that, you know, well, and in things like on, you know, Plastic Ono Band, I mean, he could write something, you know, like Isolation or something, which was more reflective. I mean, right. it wasn't just like a hard rocker, you know, so, um, you know, so I, I think it's just that, you know, people are, 
it, people tend to, you know, as I said, it's just easier to slap labels on, on people. And, and, you know, and I think over the years, you know, as time has gone on and, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, John's been gone a long time. Um, you know, it's, it's easier to just slap those labels on him than to right. research his life right. and mm-hmm. understand the context. I mean, I'm not excusing his behavior right. in any way, but if you research his life, you understand a bit more about it and that he was always trying to better himself. I mean, yeah. he, he learned you know, from his mistakes. And so I think, um, you know, it's more complicated than it seems. And he, and he, John became a great doting father to Sean. Uh, I do feel sorry for Julian, you know, but again, that's, that's a whole other show because I mean, to be, to be like immature yourself, John, at that age, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really. You know, you didn't have a dad and all this. Now, now you're in a band that's becoming, uh, taking off and becoming really popular. Mm-hmm. They'd be a phenomenon, and you're all over the globe, and you're 23 or whatever he was at the time, just a, a kid himself, mm-hmm. saddled with an unwanted child at the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, a guy like John who's already like, yeah, he actually wasn't mature. It took him a long time. How are you supposed to? have a traditional father-son experience with a, a man like that under those circumstances. The best he could do is he made it up to him later. Yeah. Best he yeah. could. I mean, Remember. Made a lot of mistakes. The early part of his career, he was very much a sexist. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He was quoted as saying women should be obscene and not heard. Mm-hmm. Well, that certainly changed. Did he really say that? <laughs> he became a feminist. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, he did become more of a feminist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he changed, and and yeah. and he and he in many of his songs, he said, "I screwed up." Yep, I and mean, that's what the song yeah. "Woman" is about, really. That's, yeah, it's not just Yoko, but celebrating women in general. Yeah, it's a full circle. That's a great thing. Exactly. That woman is the end of the right. <laughs> right. That song as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. and also to contrast what you've been talking about with this family life. Take a look at Paul. It's the exact opposite. Right. And he has always cared about his family. He's taken his family on his tours. He's, He's a lot older. His kids. You know, the marriage to Linda was one of the most successful, you know, uh, yeah. celebrities, 30 years. Um, He's got a successful marriage now. He's got grandkids. He loves spending time with his family. And that's, you know, there's a big difference there between that and what John experienced, although John was able the last five years to be, you know, house husband and a doting father to Sean. So somebody here said he, that was a lot of nonsense. That's a whole bunch of stuff. He, uh, another myth that, that must be debunked is that Lennon became a house husband after the birth of Sean. The truth was he had an artistic block. Look, I think it's both a little true. I mean, but basically he had enough of the business. And he was, we did want to bring Sean up. And maybe after that, he was kind of lost, maybe for a while. And I don't buy Well, he was always working on a project, though, as, yeah. as we yeah, learned, as we learned with Ken Womack's book. I was just going right, to say, yeah, right. if you want right. to read, a, and we're not just saying this because he's, right. he's as uh, as Ken yeah. really put it well, the fifth Beatle of, right. uh, <laughs> of Talk More Talk. <laughs> I love that. I'm using that. I used on. to be the fifth. Yeah. That's right. yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, if, if read read Ken's book yeah. um, on on John Lennon, uh, and uh, you'll read about you know the last five or so years of his life, and uh, it's a it's a good balanced portrait mm-hmm. of of what it was that you know no he wasn't the perfect you know father for sean i mean you know there were moments during that period where you know he wasn't productive and he wasn't you know but it's not it's not like it's been portrayed in in other books i think i mean i think some yeah some of them had these idealized portrayal of him baking bread constantly and all that you know and others had him like comatose in bed you know, right, just, right, just right. doing drugs all the time. Howard Hughes it was neither of those. Yeah. But the whole thing it is interesting, though, about the bread thing. I've heard people say that's what he was doing. Yeah, he did it, do a little of that. I but... think it was George even said that. Yeah. Uh, when he saw with the Dakota and stuff like that, he's baking. He was baking bread. He was doing this and that. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, so it was he did do that. that. But, but I'm sure. Yeah. It's more of a someplace in between kind exactly. of. Exactly. That's what know? it was. It was in. It was in between. Yeah. But I don't believe, like it's been said, that he lost his muse. You know, I think John wrote songs when he felt like writing songs when he wanted. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, and more like he, that's what I should have said. Yeah, he didn't because he didn't really want. He wasn't interested in what was going on at the time. But then he became interested. You know, he became more interested in what listening to what everybody was doing and wanting to go out there again with. I think it was the B-52s mostly with the Rock Lobster. Personally, <laughs> that was one of the things. Absolutely, yeah. But so. you know, the Yoko. Yeah. To the songs that John was writing, you know, during those last five years, there's quite a lot of material. Uh, a lot of it aired on the Lost Lennon Tapes radio series. I think at any given time, if he wanted to, he could have made an album. Uh, I'll go along with that. To do with whether he had the desire to do it at the moment. The mere fact that he kept on writing material, and a lot of that stuff was good. A lot of it's kind of unfinished. That could have yeah more. But you know, you had Free as a Bird at that time, you had Real Love, you had yeah. songs in between there that were good. I think it all came down to whether or not he had the desire to work on that. Mm. Yep. You know, exactly. We've also heard that he he was like a couch potato. He liked to watch TV all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was a TV travel, junkie. You know. So, you know, I just don't believe that he lost his, you know, artistic, that there was a block of any kind. I really don't. I just that. thought he wasn't really into it for the most part, but he still was noodling around, you know, and doing demo tapes and playing around mm-hmm. with ideas. Um, but he just wasn't. He didn't want to be out uh, doing it in public so much. Right. Only, and you know, it's, all, it's all, we always say this. It's only five years, right? Right. Back yep. then, five years seemed like an eternity. <laughs> <laughs> we were living at a time when most artists put out an album a year. Right. Yeah. That was the common thing. Right. Go back to the sixties and you got two albums a year. <laughs> yeah. With these artists like the Beatles. And now you can go ten years. Exactly. Eight, nine, seven, eight years. There's plenty yeah. of artists now, veteran artists that take their time. Absolutely. Five years. Some take more than five years. Probably back in the seventies, yeah, taking five years off was like unheard of. Yep. Absolutely. I just want to read this one uh, comment here from Marcus saying, I read a Paul quote from 1966 where he said yeah. something that was not so feminist friendly. He uh-huh. could say things that weren't so flattering too, similar to John. Absolutely. Well, see, that's the thing, but there's a good example where I'll take Paul's slightly. See, that's what I was saying before. Generally speaking, Paul's not like that, we say, right? Yeah. But, but, but they're not yeah, perfect. There's exceptions. 
it's exceptions, but that doesn't change the overall image. The overall image, it's because yeah. it's one thing. That's how I feel right. again about John, the hard, you know, the tough guy, harder guy, Paul, the more soft guy, ballot, more ballady guy. Even though they they both did each, <laughs> but what's predominant? That's where a reputation comes from. No, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean. Your reputation comes from what's predominant most of the time, and you're in it, you, you, the aura about you, um, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, I also think that it's helped Paul a lot. I know he said that he's toured so much, but for young generations who are discovering the Beatles, as much as I'd like for him to go more into his solo stuff, he shows complete pride in his Beatle past. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, um, agreed. You know, the new generation of fans can hear one of them actually do quite a lot of that material. You're not going to get as much from Ringo, um, understandably so, with an all-star band lineup and, you know, he didn't sing. You know, he only sang like a dozen Beatles songs. Um, so, you know, I think that's helped Paul a lot too, um, as well. So yep. it's, it's, um, it's very interesting. I just wish that um, most people would have a more balanced look at John and Paul and really take the time to understand. One of the things that I think Paul tries to bring out in recent years is to give the other Beatles and himself more credit for being more collaborative. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you read many years from now, you'll definitely get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, he always stands up for the other Beatles. I always remember, I like bringing up that when when he was insulted by having to wait five years to be inducted into the Rock right. and Roll Fame after John was, right. after they lied to him and said that he would get in the next year if he inducted John himself and gave the speech, um, you know, Paul took the high road there when he was um, inducted and he said, come on, guys, George and Ringo are next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he really lobbied Devil Ringo. Yeah, Ringo, I remember yeah. that. Yep. The reason Ringo's in, I think, is because of Paul. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, as just a contribution artist, not necessarily a right. Yeah. But he's still in there. He's still there. Yeah, better still than there. nothing. Well, for me, the, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame lost its credibility a long time ago for me anyway. But so that's nothing against Ringo. I'm glad he's in there. <laughs> yep. And Thank still, God. I think that if it was up to Paul, he'd want us to know that there was a lot more collaborating yeah. between him and John than mm-hmm. we've been led to believe. Believe, right. Mm-hmm. I always like to talk about Sergeant Pepper because I do believe John doesn't get nearly enough credit for the songwriting that he does on Sergeant Pepper, with, aside from the songs that we associate as being Lennon songs. Mm-hmm. He helped to write mm-hmm. with a little help from my friends. He contributed a line with Getting Better and also um, couldn't get much worse. Right. You know, he helped write She's <laughs> Home. You know, there are things that people tend to, again, if you just think uh, Paul sings the song, it's all Paul, you know, or John sings the song, it's all John. It wasn't that case, you know, quite often. Um, so I think a lot of people don't fully, they need to really learn as much as they can about that catalog and the history. And, um, you know, it's like I said, it's complicated with the Beatles. How many bands have, you know, three main songwriters, four lead vocalists, and even Ringo wrote a couple songs. So uh, in the Beatles. So any more comments here, guys? 
Wow, well, there were a lot of comments in there. Right. Yeah, know where to begin? <laughs> yeah, well, you have to read them, read them later. Yeah, and uh, well, and, and also just to follow what you were saying, Ken. That's why all of you out there need to to help keep, you know, keep uh, the music alive, keep their images alive, keep John Lennon's image alive, and and uh, you know, help educate uh, those who perhaps aren't as familiar uh with john's material and all to uh you know perhaps uh, particularly right. the younger generations uh to to help uh, right. educate them and right. it's so great the way marcus says this at the end which is what i was kind of going to say at the end of at the end of the day right lennon mccartney is the greatest songwriting team in history there's no paul without john and no john without paul john and yep. paul are equals and any true fans should see that you know, it, it's it's that's it. That's I can it. agree with and that. The fact they obviously they they, just, they were so different in some ways that that's what made it so great. Right. <laughs> the the strengths and weaknesses and together in the two of them contrast. And they and there's similarities too. And they had similarities about them, which is why they loved each other. They had similarities as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I think, and that that's how they complemented each other so well. You know that that's absolutely true. So uh, yeah, some terrific comments tonight. Thank you for taking part. Yeah, and uh, them, yeah. we knew this. We knew this would be a <laughs> a a, com, uh, a uh, well well controversial, but but not you know. But you see, you can't you can't know this. Stuff. I could go on forever. Like Christopher Early says, I think that if Paul had been tragically killed in 1980, the Beatles wouldn't be quite as big as they remain now i just don't see john's carrying the beatles torch like paul has steadfastly done and mm. and i see the thing the only thing is when people do that what they're doing is they can only go by where he john was at then right. yeah so you don't know what he would have done i mean if you just if you ever see ringo like i said in 1980 around that period 78 mm. 79 80, 81 he didn't want to know nothing about the beatles you know at all you know right. And Paul for a long time, you know, the Beatles split in 69 and since then they've been doing fine. And if that question doesn't cease, ain't nobody going to hit no piece. He used to do like Muhammad Ali imitation. So now now Paul plays it. Most of his concert is Beatles. I mean, you can't go by what a person did in 1940 and say, I don't think John was, I don't think he was doing. I mean, you probably, I I would have to agree based on how we know John at the time he died. But we don't know. Wow, Tim. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. As uh, Tim Allen said, I managed to get through the whole show without turning green. Well, we have done our job, my friends. We have done our job. Boy, this is this is interesting. Richard uh, Pirano said in my college class today, my professor asked if anyone knew who the Beatles were. I was sadly the only person in the room to raise my hand. Good mm. Lord. Huh. Well, you've you've Come on, Richard, you've got to, you know, you got to help. We got to, you know, got to help right. uh, spread the word. You got to keep I, I just, keep I, I have a little feature. We ever see those, some, some of these people do these kind of on the street interviews, usually with younger people asking, oh, yeah. Who's, right. the, yeah. who's the president, blah, 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 and all that they don't know. I, I did that to a young person that was uh, behind a counter. I said, would you? <laughs> you look like you're a fun, fun guy. So I said, right. could you do a little Beatles content thing for me? A little questionnaire he said sure i'm going to put it up eventually but you know i asked him do you, you know who the beatles were you know yeah yeah i know the beatles he was older he wasn't like eight or nine he was like you know <laughs> 19 20 years something 
<clears throat> and I said to him, uh, can you name the Beatles? And he goes, uh, Ringo, because it's a funny name, I guess. Yeah. And he goes, was John, was John one of them? And I said, yeah. And he goes, that's it. That's all I got. I said, Paul wow. McCartney. And he goes, I said, about Paul McCartney? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's right. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> you know, to wow. many of you. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't think so. But, you Watch know. the quiz shows that are on yeah. TV. Younger yeah. people there. And the questions that they're asked are not from this decade or the last two decades. That's right. See, see if they know the musicians from the 60s, 70s, 80s. You know, if, when they struggle, you know, it's all what you're exposed to. Yep. You know, at a young age and growing up. Yeah. So. That's right. That's right. Well, got it. Got it. Keep keep the music and all alive. Yeah. Educate people about the Beatles. Uh, tell them about our shows. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, Even and Paul, McCart Paul McCartney's doing a fantastic job of that. Yes. Oh, the yeah. He's alive. the biggest it's promoter amazing. of the Beatles. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing, really. You know, you were saying something before, Joe, about, you know, we only know John up to age 40. We have no idea what he'd be doing today. We don't know if he would be touring, you know, periodically every few years. And, you know, how much Beatles would he play? Right. You know, you heard that during the double fantasy sessions, he was talking about performing I Want to Hold Your Hand. You yeah. don't know if he would have opened up more and did a lot more Beatles. He may have turned away from it. You might have yeah, just yeah. said, oh, that's, you know, that's part of my past. I would I, I would have loved to have seen if you would have, you know, embraced social media, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, I mean. He might have started his concerts yeah. with Honey Pie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yoko said that he would have embraced social media. You yep. know, yep. somebody commented on that. Yeah. Can you imagine Lennon living now during uh, doing Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> YouTube? He would have loved this era. Yeah, I, you know, I always say like Saturday Night Live, you know, uh, doing skits on Saturday Night Live. Being, and I always say Howard Stern for some reason. I'm not saying I'm the biggest Stern guy, but, you know, messing around with because Ringo was on with Howard. And Paul was on with Howard. I could like imagine him like asking him all these questions. Come on, John. Tell me about Yoko <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. You know, I could just see it. It would be, it'd be so funny. But, you know, yep. not to be. Not to be. And, that, and I always say that's a sad thing to me is that, again, every time we do these shows, too, right, we're looking for topics and we get to John. It's it's harder to find topics to do it sometimes is. with John. Yeah. And, you know, everything from his perspective is really in the solo years. It's the 70s. In 1980, oh, you know, it doesn't go milk. beyond that. You still have double so, fantasy and milk and honey. Right. And like up to 80, 80, 84 docs. then, but. Yeah. 84 is a long time ago now too I know. it's tough yeah. it's very tough you know we you want know. to keep things balanced here you know going from one beetle to another beetle but when paul and ringo have put out so much more music than john and george doesn't it doesn't make it easy in that no. way and but i just mean in general you know john's music is so uh yeah it's dated in this case i mean what i mean dated is the topics, you know, or some of them, the, you know, the, the the political stuff, you know, it's only going to be that era, the early 70s. It's all cliche now and all, you know, it doesn't go beyond that. I accept, I like it and accept it for what it was in the time. That's not what I mean. But it's just, you know, it, it's older. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. That's just the way it was. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I've always said being dated has no effect on me. I know that. You know, I, I agree with you. But <laughs> as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Ken's going to say That's something. <laughs> Nixon was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Let's talk about what's going on now. You know? That's what I'm trying to say. But I love, yeah, I love, give me some truth, but it's a long right, time right, ago. Son. Hey, what would John be thinking now if he was going to go that route, you know, um, I don't politically mind. or enjoying songs where they mention people of the past uh, which as said before like either confusion temptations right yeah the beatles their new records of gas you know i love <laughs> the song still i know it's old i don't care it still sounds no, i still love the songs i'm just saying we're not getting any new stuff yeah well, new stuff i love the old songs yeah okay. i still love the buddy holly songs to death i'm just sorry that he didn't do anything be beyond that you know mm -hmm. that's what i mean all right so why don't we wrap things up by each of us yeah. telling our viewers what we're doing right now. Uh, let's start with Tom. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ken. Uh, two Legs, we are continuing our weekly live uh, series every Wednesday night, right around 7 p.m. Eastern uh, time. So look uh, look for that this, this coming Wednesday. We dropped our latest show um, this past Saturday with uh, a, a very well-known YouTuber, uh, Canadian stud muffin, uh, Larry Graves. And we, we talked about his and what, uh, why others may have taken a McCartney break at some point during uh, his career. Um, Larry Graves experienced that. And he told us his experience about taking uh, the, the McCartney break. Why? And we also talked about, again, like, you know, why some other people, uh, may have taken that break and why some people may have said, you know, he hasn't done anything good since wings. You know, we, we kind of tackle uh, all that, all that stuff. Uh, we just recorded an episode with uh, the eight arms to hold you guys, Mark Easter and, and Chip Maniger. Uh, we're starting a new series with them uh, where once a month or once every other month, we're going to spotlight a year in McCartney's solo career. And then with this episode, we started with 1975. Uh, which was a pretty, you could say, a pretty busy, <laughs> jam-packed year uh, for McCartney. Um, and then we'll also, at some point, have a couple more episodes of uh, things we bought yesterday and today. And I'll show you one thing that I'm really excited that I picked up um, recently, and that's this little sucker right here. This is the um, <laughs> Seaside Woman little box set with some saucy cards they're called, <laughs> and, uh, you know, button badge and, and yellow vinyl. So this is just... Um, you know, one thing that uh, I'll be showing on the, my next uh, um, uh, episode of things we bought yesterday and today. Uh, and then you can email us at uh, two legs podcast at gmail.com. Find our YouTube channel, please, and subscribe. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to everybody out there and the new subscribers. And, uh, you know, thank you for uh, jumping on the train because it's uh, nonstop right now. So thank you. <laughs> the party wow. train. Yeah, the party train. Yeah. <laughs> Joe? How about you? All right. I have some stuff to talk about this time. Uh, yeah. I just did one of my Fab Gab shows interviewing Madeline Baccaro, hmm. who has a book on Yoko Ono that uh, is really interesting discussing that with her. Great uh, you have it handy? Right Give me the title go. exactly. In Your Mind, The Infinite <laughs> Universe of Yoko Ono. Okay. And it was a pleasure talking with her. That's on my Fab Gab feature over on my Mean Mr. Mayo channel. Also, uh, this coming Sunday, uh, Kick should be able to be on there with me, right? We didn't do it. Yep. It's going to be live. Another Fab Gab. 
I'm realizing there's some anniversaries coming up. I don't want to give too much away of other people to, to do it ahead of me. But, you know, this is this is a belated anniversary. The, the 60th anniversary of the Deco auditions, you know, which I should have done in January. We're going to talk about the Deco auditions. We'll give our opinions and things and talk about the songs. But also, we'll probably rank them, you know. We'll do that mm-hmm. also. And I got a couple of other ones coming up for 62, two, two things that I want to discuss. I'll talk about them later on in the year. Uh, one other thing, you know, I have another channel, which is mainly movies and, and television, mostly movies. It's called Mayo After Dark. In other words, you know, I'm here listening to the Beatles by day and then at night when the nights go out, it's time to do some movies. And I had a guy on there, a weird guy named Tom Hun- <laughs> Hun- yeah. Hun- How do you say that? Yeah. I can't believe I never used to know how to say your name <laughs> when I first saw it. Now it's so easy. I, that's the first saw it, I couldn't say it. Yeah. Tom Hunyadi. And uh, we did a, a feature on my Mayo After Dark channel. Right. Uh, we talked about uh, movies, Q&A. It was a Q&A that we did. We're going to try to do them maybe once a month, I'm hoping, yeah. if he can make it or something like that. So check that out over on Mayo After Dark. And that's it for me for now. Thank you, Joe. For I'm, I was going to put talk about that, too. So thanks for having me on there. It's a pleasure talking film, which is another love, a love passion of mine. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, I look forward to doing more of those with you in the future. Okay. All right. Very good. Kit, you're next. Okay. Well, before I get to my stuff, uh, let me tell you how you can reach us here at Talk More Talk. Uh, You can go to our website at talkmoretalk.com. You can uh, reach us on Twitter. uh, Follow us on Twitter at talkmoretalk1, the number one. Um, Of course, you can uh, also follow us on Facebook. And if you um, hit a like on that page, you will... uh, get uh, notified of uh, our future episodes coming up uh you also uh, we post stuff on there all the time so uh you can follow us uh, other stuff we're doing uh interesting articles you know news all that kind of stuff um and of course you can follow us right here on youtube uh please subscribe uh we are trying we're growing every day but we want to get those subscriber numbers up so uh so please uh if you haven't subscribed already up 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 uh go ahead and subscribe (laughs) tell tell your friends neighbors up 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 and uh and of course you can also find us if you prefer listening to our episodes on uh any podcasting platform basically you can possibly think of you can find us and please rate us uh if you like the shows that helps our visibility as well and you can also find us on fab4 radio uh just go over to fab4radio.com uh big shout out um to beetle ed who runs that show as well as our uh, many of our other individual shows so uh want to also uh thank those of you who tuned in to chaos and creation in kit's backyard which i do periodically here on this channel want to uh, thank uh tom and andy who joined me live and uh, we had a great time just uh just chatting and you know talking about uh, stuff we were doing news taking questions it was really fun Mm-hmm. It was it was indeed chaos, and it, but it was in the best way. <laughs> it was awesome. it was. It didn't look chaotic. Yeah, I wish I could have made it. That was fun. I, I watched the playback of that. That was that was good. I, 
go up next time because I had to do it at a at a different time because uh, we were due for rain later that day. So I had to move the time up, and you know, so I promise next time I'm not going to conflict with your chat so you can join in, <laughs> oh, join cool. join the chaos. <laughs> worry, the know. weather will cooperate next time. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, so as Joe told you, I'm going to be on Fab Gab. Uh, this Sunday. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Also, I was recently on a a podcast with our uh, good friend, Ken Womack. It's called Music Vibes with DC Hendrix, where we talked about the upcoming fest. And yes, Talk More Talk is going to have a panel there. Uh, Ken Womack and I are going to be hosting it. We are going to have two special guests, uh, which I think uh, you're going to really enjoy. I will have more info about it on our next episode. Uh, I'm hoping by then I'll also know the schedule. I Mm. think I should by then. So I'll be able to give you more information. Um, I think you'll be able to watch it. Uh, They're going to stream the fest again. um, So if you buy tickets, you'll be able to see it there. We're also going to record it. And uh, so, and we'll upload it on our channel. But uh, so, yeah, so you're really uh, going to enjoy this um, and you'll be able to take part in it if you're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so there's that. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned before, I am going to um, be teaching uh, classes in the fall. You can still register. I'm going to be teaching. It's a two-part class, Roots of Rock and Roll. Um, through Monmouth University again, um, through Zoom. Part one uh, starts in September, part two in December. I'm going to be covering uh, different genres that contributed to the birth of rock and roll. Really, really excited about this class. I think you'll enjoy it. I'm researching as we speak. So, uh, so hopefully you will really like it. Um, and uh, I think that's everything. So uh, the links Busy. will be on my page and Talk More Talk. Busy, busy. Yes, indeed. Take a full day and just have a kiddo tool marathon. (laughs) (laughs) Got to binge watch. Yep. And oh, and Mark said they hope they actually advertise uh, Talk More Talks panel on the schedule. Yes, they will. I am making, let's just say I'm making darn sure they will. (laughs) The queen has spoken. There you go. There you go. I love it. Thank you, Kit. Okay. Are you and Ken going to be there all three days? Yes. Yep. Okay. We'll be there all three days. You're you're going to get sick of seeing us. We're all we're both going to be on a lot of panels, not all together, but but we're going to be on a lot of panels. And Ken's going to give a sneak preview of the Mal Evans book. Right. So right. Great, you want to see that. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. So Ken, I know you are a busy, busy guy. Yes, you are. Busy with my YouTube channel. (laughs) But before I talk about that, I just want to mention one thing. Um, I have my radio show, Every Little Thing, which, as I said before, is on over 50 radio stations. My newest station is actually called Mersey Radio. And the reason why I bring this up is because they're broadcast out of Liverpool. Excellent. Ah, nice. I finally made it. Congratulations. Accept me. Yes. (laughs) That's great. Excellent. Great news. um, Every little thing is heard Thursdays from 5 to 7 p.m. Yeah, Eastern Time. They they run two shows back to back. And they're also going to run it Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So a lot of great programming on on that station called Mersey Radio. 
Hmm. Actually, go to merseyradio.co.uk. All right. Uh, my YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio, the last couple of weeks have done quite a bit of interviews. Kevin Harrington has returned. You all know Kevin for being an Apple assistant there. Um, he's the guy that held up the lyrics for Dig right. a Pony. <laughs> and John was on the Apple rooftop. But um, I did two other interviews with Kevin, which are my watch videos on my channel. Um, I'm so grateful for that. You know, he's someone that you don't hear too much about. He's always kept a very low profile. He could never be accused of cashing in on the Beatles at all. But um, I thought that we would do an interview with him after he watched Get Back, mm. his opinion about it. And so, um, yeah, that's right there on my channel, Kevin Harrington. Uh, Ed Matow, I interviewed. He played acoustic guitar on John's Walls and Bridges album and rock and roll. Uh, the sessions in New York, not with Phil Spector. So he talks about that. He's had a long relationship with Noel Paul Stuckey of Peter, Paul and Mary, and he produced his newest album. OK, so uh, there's a great interview that he was just warm and engaging. Great interview with him. Ken Womack, I interviewed about Mel Evans, you know, stuff that we can learn about, about his life and some things, some tidbits of what you'll find in the upcoming book, which, as I said, should be uh, the first book should be out Father's Day next year. Rick Lover, I interviewed. Um, Rick, as you know, is part of the Fans on the Run troupe. Mm. He has seen Paul McCartney more than anybody that I know personally. <laughs> it's 159 times in concert seeing Paul McCartney. Crazy. Yeah. Legend. So, mm -hmm. Talk about his favorite moments stadium shows the intimate shows we talk about that for about an hour and a half he's always a great guest to have on and then i did another young blood show that's when i interview people who are 40 and under who could be musicians or podcasters and i ask the question and they don't always have to be the same but if you could witness a beatles album the sessions for it which one would you like to be a fly on the wall for and then I asked the same thing for a solo Beatle album. Mm. You know, that really isn't something that I should limit to young people, because for this show, that would make a really good. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> um, if you could Great pick question. one, because Beatles albums are fascinating, the whole evolution of what they did as a band. Every single album is interesting in its own way. And then I really should give my guests more than one solo album, because there's so many there to pick from. But um Look that up. Skylar Moody was a guest. She has a TikTok channel with a lot of Beatles content. And she just started a brand new George Harrison podcast called Apple Scruffs. Dylan Seavey, who's been a guest quite often on Two Legs and on my channel. Nashville musician, plays drums, guitars. Really a great speaker on the Beatles. He adds his two cents on this subject. Sam Wiles, who does another Paul McCartney <laughs> podcast. Tom and Andy's main competition. Yep, our frenemy. Frenemy. <laughs> <laughs> That's another point. How many John Lennon podcasts are out there? Yeah, true. There's there's one out there. Oh, oh yeah, there's uh, one. Yeah, pro, uh, glass, glass, onion, glass onion. Glass onion. Glass onion. Glass yep. onion. Yep. Okay. So I have Skylar, Dylan, and Sam on that show. So that's uh, five interviews in the last uh, couple of weeks. Things we said today. We just did a, a Ringo tribute show, similar to what we did here. 
picking five overlooked songs from Ringo's solo career. We'll have another show coming out next week. And of course, there's my website, kenmichaelsradio.com, where you'll find lots of archival audio interviews with people in the Beatle world, plus my music trivia page, where you can win one of 10 prizes every single week. Trivia will be posted right after the show tonight here, and uh, you have a whole week to play along with it and possibly win. That's KenMichaelsRadio.com. All right. Cool. I think uh, that's it for us. Mm. This has been an incredible show, a great topic. Yeah. Thank you for bringing it up, Joe. We yeah. finally got around to it. We did it. <laughs> well, the more time, the better, because you got more time to feel some of it. Yeah. Feel right. Relate to it. About what, what you're going to say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so for Kit and Tom and Joe, Thanks to all of you for watching right here on Talk More Talk. I'm Ken Michaels, stealing a line from Tom here, wishing you all a beautiful night. Uh, take care. Paul again. <laughs> Just kidding. What? Talk